0: Service, uh, so they get to be a part of that as well. Amen. All right, let's jump into this. First Thessalonians is where we're going to be this morning, chapter five. Uh, before we uh, do that, I want to ask them to put on the screen our theme verse, Jude chapter, or Jude chapter one, right? Not chapter twenty-four. Jude twenty-four. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, uh, falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory. With exceeding joy, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. And uh, I love our theme. Again, just a great reminder uh, that we are to be focused on Christ. He is the center. He is the aim. He is uh, what we are to be, uh, who we are to be living for, uh, the purpose of it all. And so uh, I love that. I love our theme. I hope that uh, as you see it in different capacities, whether it's in the service or on Facebook or wherever um, that it reminds you that's what it's all about. But this week we're going to uh, move forward, continue on in this purposeful uh, study. And this again is so, so vital in, in light of the world we're living in. I think probably every preacher in every generation has said that, but there are definitely some new things that we are dealing with that the world has never seen before, and some new challenges because of some of those new things. Um, last week we, we talked about the return of the Lord specifically and how we should live in light of the, the return of the Lord. What it should do when we think about Jesus coming back. And the joy to know that one day we're going to be reunited with those who are in Christ who have already died and gone on before us. Um, and this week we continue on in this. And this is something I think is, is vital um, and important for us to get. And so I want to to read and explain what I mean by that. Number one, uh, verse number one is this. Now, as to the times and epochs, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you, for you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. While they're saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. Now I want you to listen to the transition of verse 4. He says, "But you, brethren, are not in darkness that that day would overtake you like a thief." Verse 5, he continues on with this. The reason why that's not going to overtake you as a thief, Christians, because you are the sons of light and the sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. Now the reason why I said in the beginning it's a continuation of chapter 4 is because some people separate what was just taught at the end of chapter 4 in the beginning of chapter, chapter 5 because of the words now or um, uh, but uh, or some of the translations that are used. However, in the text there isn't a separation. As I said, there's a continuation of what he was teaching. If you were here last week, we saw um, that he didn't want them to be without knowledge, he didn't want them to be ignorant, that the Lord will come in the clouds and those who are dead in Christ will come with him and they will be—they will rise first and uh, we will meet them in the air and together we'll be with the Lord forever. Um, and so again, he continues on in that. The, the literal translation uh, from chapter 13 through chapter 5, verse 5, is a statement. And this is how it's read. I asked them to put this, up on the screen as well. So if we pick up in verse 17, it says, Then we who are living, who are remaining over, together with them shall be caught away in clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so always with the Lord we shall be. So then comfort ye one another in these words. And concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need of my writing to you. For yourselves have known thoroughly that the day of the Lord, as a thief in the night, Doth so come. For when they may say peace and surety, then sudden destruction doth stand by them, as the travail doth her who is with child, and they shall not escape. And you, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day may catch you as a thief, as you are sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. Again, it's very important to understand the audience that is being written to by the Apostle Paul. He's speaking to the followers of Jesus and what we understand today it's the church. So the audience the Thessal- is the Thessalonian church which again pours over even to us today because we are the church still. He says brethren you're not in darkness that the day may catch you as a thief. What day is he talking about? The day of the Lord. The day in which Jesus returns and, and, and calls us to be with him and meet those in the air. Again, this isn't separate from what he said in chapter 4. Again, if you remember there were concerns that those who had already passed who were Christians had missed the day of the Lord or were going to miss it. And so as a part of the comfort and the teaching Paul's clarifying this is what's going to happen. This is how it's going to happen. You already know the conditions of the times. I don't need to talk to you about that. You already know the epics, the, 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 the times and epochs. You already know the circumstances about, uh, that, that lead up to the day of the Lord and that surround the day of the Lord. I don't need to talk to you about that again. Don't fret about that. His charge to them was this. Just be ready. Just live ready. You don't, you don't, I don't need to exhaust the topic of, of what Jesus has already taught. Now, have you already heard how the end time is going to be before he returns? The followers of Christ had the same charge that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 24 and 25. And again, the followers were his church. It, it was us. But notice that in verse 1 he said, I, I don't need to write concerning the cronoi and the chiroi. Paul doesn't find it necessary. It's not important for him, or again, the Holy Spirit is not impressing on him, to add to what they already knew about the timing of the the, the Lord's return. I I don't need to keep going on about this, but these two Greek words, kronoi and kairoi, appear as a doublet. The same thing in Acts chapter 1, verse 7. Kronos refers to time and its duration, and then kairos is time and its qualitative sense so you don't need to worry about the 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 timing of it and also the conditions of the times it's already been talked about they've been well informed on the subject and so he's not going to spend any more time talking about how they what they're going to be experiencing before jesus returns essentially he was saying look just remember what jesus taught you already just remember what it's going to be like when he returns and he shifts from that to the happenings at Christ's return, that he rescues the church and brings judgment to the unrighteous on earth many scholars have tried again to understand the timing here some as i said separate the two there are many who don't the bible isn't explicit in this and that's what i wanted to bring out this morning and this may be uh, a little confusing to some or not you know i, I don't get what you're saying But some people separate this, um, but it's not explicit in Scripture. That's what we have. We, We understand that the Lord is coming back. We understand that the Lord is returning. We understand that the Lord, at His return, is going to call us home to be with Him. And again, as I said, the Bible is not explicit that those two events, that the day of the Lord and Christ taking us home to be with Him, are separate. We do have some explicit information, though, and we've already com- covered some of it. And so I just want to highlight some of the information that we have covered that is clear in Scripture, right? So here's, here's what I want to remind you of. Back in the first couple of uh, sermons in this, uh, I talked about the theories, right? The theories of the rapture. Um, there, are, there are theories that are surrounding that. And it's important for us to, to, to get that firm in our minds because we as people like to wrap our minds around something that gives us um, clarity, right? But here's the truth about end times and eschatology there's a lot that the Bible does not say, right? Jesus himself and the whole day of the Lord is a mystery, right? He said, and we're going to read it, No man knows the day, no man knows the hour, no man, all we know is the times and the seasons leading up to the day of the Lord. But how all of that's going to work man has tried to put it together and said, this is what I think based on Scripture, what I, what I believe. And some brilliant scholars, way smarter than me, have put that together. But just as brilliant, scholars have put Scriptures together and said, this is how it's going to work. And just as brilliant, there's other scholars who said, this is how it's going to work. And just as brilliant, there's other scholars who said, this is how it's going to work. <laughs> That's why they're called theories. There's another reason why they're called theories. You know why it's called a theory? Because it hasn't been proven. It hasn't been proven. So we have a responsibility as the people of God to listen to what Jesus teaches us. And we're talking about the end times and say, what has he said? What has scripture told us? And what should we be doing in light of what scripture has told us? So here are some of the highlights on what we do know about the end times, about the return of the Lord, about what we call the rapture. Again, caught up is the, is the, the Scripture uh, that we read. Uh, there's a Latin term that gives us the word rapture. But here are the things we know about what Jesus has said and what Scripture tells us. Number one, Jesus is returning. That's the truth. Jesus is coming again. That's the first thing. The second thing we have, get, have been given explicitly in Scripture is that there are signs that precede his return. And they are clear signs. He said, this is the way it's going to be before he returns. The third thing is, we have an explicit charge to be prepared for both trouble tribulation, and that is clear as well. Jesus said in John sixteen thirty three, you shall have tribulation, or you shall have trouble, you shall have trials. Paul, in this letter to the Thessalonians, was telling them Look, don't be worried just because you're you're suffering tribulation, just because you're you're suffering affliction. Remember, we were appointed to this. This is part of what our calling is. The fourth thing we know is there's a charge to be prepared for his sudden return. And again, that's clear and explicit in Scripture, that his people are to be prepared for his sudden return. Fifth. The promise to be spared from the wrath to come is clear in Scripture as well. and We'll see a little bit more of that later. But what needs to be understood, please hear me, what needs to be understood and not inferred, right? Because I want to admit to you this, this morning, there have been plenty of times in the course of 23 years of ministry, or 24 years of ministry, that I, I have been guilty of that. Not intending to be guilty of that, but have inferred things that scripture didn't necessarily say and again there there, there's not a um there's not a problem with gathering as much scripture and as much information from exegesis right which is taking what the scriptures say and and taking that versus eisegesis which is having an idea in your mind or in your heart and then taking that to scripture There's nothing wrong with exegesis, pulling the scriptures out, and then taking as much information as you have and say, I believe this is what God is saying in his word. Nothing wrong with that. That's how we got the theories. But again, there's a danger in saying, well, I've always been taught or I've always thought this, so I'm going to look for that in God's word. That's not a good way. That's, That's not good hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is the way that you study the Bible or interpret scripture. And so that's not good to say, I've got this idea, I'm gonna to come to the Bible with this. Again, we need to understand what has been said and not inferred. Again, our clarity on what judgment or tribulation is can be quite fuzzy at best. We need to think about that again. Our understanding. Our clarity on what judgment and tribulation is can be quite fuzzy at best. And the reason why I say that is because I want to ask you a question to, to prove that. Does the church experience national judgment at times? In other words, does the church in a nation experience national judgment? In other words, God judging a nation And the church living inside of that nation experience the consequences of that judgment. The answer is a resounding yes. You can look at church history. You could could absolutely say yes, 100%. There have been times that the church in specific nations at specific times has been under severe judgment. God judges a nation and it pours over into the people of that nation, which include the church. I think there's an argument that's even going on right now in America. That we could say that you and I as Christians are facing some things, are dealing with some things that are I- impeding and imposing in our lives because God has either said, you know what, okay. If this is what the leaders are going to do, this is what the nation as a whole is going to do, then I'm going to either remove my hand of blessing or I'm going to bring judgment. And again, of course it affects us, right? It can be tangible things. It can be obvious things. It can be cultural things that we see. Again, I believe that's what a little bit is happening in America. But what about Christians who are suffering persecution at the hands of wicked nations? These wicked nations who are crumbling. Is that judgment? See, Part, part of the suffering is part of God's judgment, right? That, that's the way it works. I mean, these these Christians are being persecuted in a nation that is is ran by wicked people and this nation is crumbling and God, again, exercising His judgment. And if this is true, could not the judgment in the end be on the earth without it explicitly being God's wrath? And the answer to that is a resounding yes. All throughout Scripture we read this. We'll get more into that when we get into Revelation specifically. But man, again, has tried to package the times and the seasons and things that you and I really don't know. We've tried to package that into theories and then hold to theories. And my challenge as a pastor to this church is to not cling to a theory, but cling to the Scriptures. Cling to what God has told us. Because what's going to happen is something, and I've had conversations with people, and I want you to hear me in this conversation because this has been literal conversations I've had with people throughout the years, and it is scary. Here's the conversation Well, when it gets that bad, I know we won't have to deal with it because we're going to be raptured out of here. Says who? Right, because we live in this American culture that we've all been so spoiled with, right? We, we have so much freedom and so many blessings. Our life is so blessed. And so if things really start getting ugly and bad here in America, right, the mindset for us as spoiled Americans goes like this. Well, Jesus got to be coming back soon. And I think there's a little bit to that, and I've mentioned that in, in previous sermons, Because I think America is a really good barometer, right? Because America has been used by God in amazing ways all over the world. Christianity has gone to all the corners of the earth. I mean, there are churches on every corner in some areas of America. So I think you look at America and you can say, man, if America is this far gone, we got to be in closer. I I think there's a little bit of something to that. I'm not saying there is. America's a fairly new country. God could do away with it. It's never written in the Bible. It could be just a part of God's plan and, and then boom, it's gone. I don't know. It's not told, we're not told in scripture. But we have this kind of entitled mentality as as Americans and think that when it gets really bad for us, Jesus is coming back. So again, I I want our church to be prepared that even if persecution, if if our country, country started really facing the judgment of God and it really became tribulation and persecution for us in America, that you and I were not hanging on some type of hope that Jesus, just because it got bad for us, that Jesus is going to come rapture us. I want you to think about the brothers and sisters we have in China. I want you to think about the brothers and sisters in Iran and Iraq, where the churches are thriving underground there. And revival is spreading in those countries. But they are persecuted to the death. They're not thinking... Anything other than we need to be faithful to the Lord. And that's what I want our church, every single person in here, the whole purpose of this study was to to make sure that we understood that our heads weren't buried in the sand of this temporal world and that we are living in light of what's going on around us and that we are living with fervor and passion for the king who's soon returning. That, That was the point is that we would go on his word and not go off of what we thought or what other people have thought. Again, as I said earlier, people like to package these in theories. And, and as I said earlier, there's, there's a way that theories are proven. How are they proven? By tests or trials. Right? The only way we'll know is on that day of the Lord when he returns. Or when all these things start to fully take place. We'll see these theories put to trial and test. Which may be interesting, you know maybe a, maybe we experience it and then none of our theories were accurate wouldn't that be interesting well, it would be so funny, like, we've got all these theories on how the rapture and how the tribulation and how the, the you know, all, all the things, the wedding feast, the judgment of Christ, the, the, the judgment of Christ, the great white throne, the tribulation, I mean, the, the uh, millennial, like, what if we have all these ideas because our, our understanding is limited and we have, we have limited information in some of these areas that we've made a, a big package theory about, but what if that day actually happens and none of the theories are are Right? <laughs> I, I, it would just be interesting. Of course, I, I believe this, in that moment as we're changed into glorified, sinless bodies, guess what's not going to matter to us? Who was right or wrong? In that moment, when we're changed from mortality to immortality, when, when, when we're ch- it changed, as we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in that moment, we won't care who was right. I promise you that. But for this section that we're studying, again, we don't need to talk about the timing or the nature of the times leading into the Lord's return. Jesus covered that. You know, he said what Paul's already said, that day's going to come like a thief in the night. The world, like in Noah's day, and like in Lot's day, will be living life. Everything will be about the temporal world. That's the days we're living in. Ignoring the signs, ignoring the pending judgment that comes when Christ returns. And I do want to read a couple of these verses, Matthew chapter 24, but immediately after the tribulation of those days, now this is talking about what they would face in persecution. That's what Jesus was talking about. So he's, he's, he's alluding to the, the, the tribulation that they were suffering as the persecution. He said, they're going to deliver you up to council, all that kind of stuff. So immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be dark, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, the powers of the heavens will be shaken. That's why I said recently that What's going on in the sky? All these balloons and different things happening in the sky. It's almost like, to me, it's like Jesus is like, hey, look up. This stuff's going on. Get ready. You know, I mean, I don't know how soon that's going to be. Regardless, verse 30 he said, Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Again, we've already read that in First Thessalonians 4. And then he says this. He continues on in verse 37. The Son of Man will come. Uh, the coming of the Son of Man would just be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving to marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. There was commands, there was charges, there was warning about the judgment to come. Regardless, people had their heads buried in this temporal earth, disregarding the word of God. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. The so will the coming of the Son of Man be. You skip down to verse 43, But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming he would have been on the alert. He would have not allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you also, he's talking to his disciples, you also must be ready because the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. A couple takeaways this morning. These points shouldn't take long. Takeaways for the return of Christ, the day of the Lord as we understand it. Is first of all, Christians have been forewarned, forewarned, and should be living in anticipation. All of that, what I just said in the beginning, has to do with, with this point. What we know about the end times, again, w- there's a lot we do not know about the 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 return of the Lord. There's a lot we do know, but there's a lot we don't know. We don't the, again the the, the times that the 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 chronology. Um, there's certain things in that that we don't know they're they're still mysterious god is always revealing mysteries to his people there's there's the mystery of marriage the mystery of the church the mystery of the gentiles the i mean the 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 mystery of the gospel there's there's mysteries that god has revealed and there are obvious mysteries in eschatology i was having a conversation with someone last week and i said you know i I think one of the, the clear reasons why that we have these mysteries, that we're only given a certain amount of information, and the main information that we're given is what we're talking about this morning. The main information that applies to us is this. We've been forewarned, and we should be living in anticipation. That's the main information. That, that's, the, that's the big takeaway about the day of the Lord is, right, because you get in Revelation, which we'll eventually get into, and in Revelation, we've talked about this before. There's at one point in time, John's like, ooh, 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 and the angel's like, all right, Shut that up. <laughs> you do away with that. And, and we have no idea. It's all speculation. This could be a major piece to the puzzle. This could have just been for John in that season. It could have been written just so we know there's a lot more or maybe a little more. We don't know about the end that we don't, we don't have information for. And the reason why I believe that this is what our biggest takeaway is and the reason why it's so important is because if we had every single minute detail about the end time, the day of the Lord, his return our rapture, tribulation, all that, if we had every single minute detail, guess what we would not be living by? Faith. We'd be living by signs, right? That's exactly why there's only a certain amount of information given about the leading up to, and, and, and all the other stuff that goes on in between, because if not, that's what we'd be looking for. We'd look, looking for signs. Oh, okay, so, uh, oh, hey, did you, you know, and we'd be reading news, all that kind of stuff, which we should be aware. But we would not be living day to day, passionately for Jesus, trying to share the gospel with other people. Say, so, yeah, what If I saw this, then I would absolutely. No, the Bible says, Jesus said, the evil generation seeks a sign. So he said, you're not going to have any other sign other than the the sign of the prophet Jonah. So this is so vital for us to get. We've been forewarned, should be living in anticipation. What does anticipation look like? Well, I'm glad you asked, because the Bible tells us. Again, we always want the Bible to be our source. What does it mean to live in anticipation of the Lord's return? Does it mean literally walking around the sky every day? Is that anticipation? No, I don't think that's what he wants us to do. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief, there it is again, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are, are, are going to be destroyed in this way, he's talking to Christians. Since everything that you make your life about is going to go away, what sort of people are you to be in holy conduct in godliness? since even the clothes on your back and the way that you make your life about this world it's all going to pass away why are you living for those idols he said the focus of your life should be to live holy and godly similar to what jesus taught in matthew chapter 6 in verse 33 when he said seek first the kingdom of god when he talked about in, in, in verse 24 lay up not for yourself treasures on earth but treasures in heaven he said god knows how to take care of the the birds of the field surely he knows how to take care of you Don't worry about what you're going to put on. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about the things of this world. Live for the Lord first. Put Him first. Live holy. Live godly. And God will take care of His people. And He says, In light of this, this is how you should live. Looking for and hastening. Man, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Hastening the coming of the day of the Lord because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning, and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Praise God. Ephesians chapter 5. Therefore be imitators as beloved children. Walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God is a fragrant aroma. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness or silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks for this. You know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of God, of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Why? Because you used to live like that, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as what? children of light it's exactly what paul said to the thessalonians you are not of darkness but you are in the light he said for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness and righteousness and truth trying to learn what is pleasing to the lord do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness but instead it, it even expose them for it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret but all things become visible when they are exposed by the light for everything that becomes visible is light And for uh, for this reason, it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time. Why? Because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We know what it's going to look like. The conditions are being manifested and abounding right before our eyes (laughs) right now. You can look around and see what Jesus said was going to be we're experiencing now. Each generation has seen this since his, his resurrection. Even when revivals are breaking out, guess what? Wickedness abounds more and more. We are to live like we're looking for Jesus. Again, it doesn't mean that we do what some of the Thessalonians did, it, it, nor does it mean that we do what some of the crazies in our life, lifetimes have done, right? The David Koresh's and and other weird cults and people. What we're going to do is we're going to sell everything, we're going to live together in a convent, you know, or we're going to stop working and all we're going to do is sit around and wait for Jesus to come back. No, that's not what we're commanded to do. We're to live our daily lives, every day, worshiping, working, serving others, reaching others, with a consecrated life, set apart. We're to be salt and light. All of this with the knowledge that life is short, it's a vapor, and Jesus is coming soon. That, that's what living in anticipation is. We're to live in anticipation. And if we do that, we're going to be ready and not caught unaware like those who are in darkness. And that's the charge. I'm going to stop there because I, the, the, the next section is, is somewhat short, but I might get preaching even more. Um, and, and time is, has caught us. But I, I want to challenge you this morning. I'm not looking to stir up, controversy. What I, my whole heart in, in this whole study is that we as the people of God would cling to the scriptures and live obediently in line with the scriptures, especially in light of the soon coming of Christ. That's it. That's it. There, there's nothing wrong with, with studying uh, what, what the theories are. We've already talked about all the theories. We talked about the, the millennial positions. We talked about all of that. There's nothing wrong with trying to see what man has, has studied for millennia and tried to, 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 to put together to, to, to have a better understanding. But please hear me. Do not go off of what you read in outside sources and say, well, this well-known person that I respect has this position so that's what i'm going to hold to no don't do that study be diligent to show yourself approved unto god be rightly dividing the word of truth be in the scriptures and if in the scriptures and through the scriptures you study and you find yourself closely more closely holding to maybe this area or this theory or or this theory or or this place if that's what you, you you land okay But remember always to simply do what Jesus told us to do, and that is to live a life set apart, lived in anticipation of his soon return. Because that's what we're called to do. Not to be children of darkness, to be children of day. So I want to challenge you with that. Is that how you're living? Is that how we approach every day? Remember what the Ephesians said? Man, The wrath of God is going to come upon the children of disobedience. Those people who are immoral and living for this world, who are living for idols. God's wrath is going to come on those people. And, and, And the charge was, you used to live that life. You used to be immoral. You used to live for yourself. You used to live for idols. But you don't anymore because you're children of light. So live like that. And that's the charge we need to take away every day we get up. We should get up and say, okay, we just, we just sang the song, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to live in anticipation of his return. I want to live today like he's coming today. What if the children of God did that? What if you and I lived our lives in holy consecration and in pa- passionate uh, zeal to reach the lost every day as if Jesus could come that day? right because what, what we're thinking is is and i'm keep going but i, I do want to share this that this has been some of the um i don't know that it's 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 as strong as the word damning takeaways from some of the theories but sometimes we we think certain things going to happen after we're taken out of this place When Jesus never told us to live like that. He didn't tell us to to live in a certain way and then when you get to this point, you won't have to worry. No, he didn't. He just said, be living alertly, living faithfully. That's what he said. So if you're looking and thinking, well, I'm not going to have to worry about that because I'm going to be gone by this time. I don't have to worry about that because we'll know when this happens. Wait, 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 wait. A lot of that is inferred. A lot of that is is a word we've been hearing recently in our group, conjecture. (laughs) Let's just do what Jesus told us to do. That's my heart. That's what I believe he wants us to do, is what he said to do. And that's to live in anticipation, to live faithful to him. If you're here this morning and you're not positive that if Jesus were to come today, if today was the day that he came, you're not positive that he would take you to be with him? You're not positive that heaven's your eternal home. I'm, I'm standing here begging you. Please don't leave this place with that question. Please don't leave this place with unsurety. Please do not leave this place with a, without 100% assurance that you're going to heaven when you die. And if you have a small little doubt, a question, I'm begging you to come to this altar at this invitation. I said, well, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm struggling doing that. Then meet us in the back. After service, something. But don't leave this place. There's no reason anybody should leave this place, headed to hell. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Again, thank you for the challenges that you give us in your word. Thank you for um, this morning. Just a reminder that we are not in darkness, God. We, we, the, the day of the Lord will not come upon us as a thief in the night, especially as we're living in anticipation of your return. Lord, again, Scripture's clear that when that day comes, if we're doing what you told us to do, we will not be surprised like those who are in darkness will be. I pray that would be the story of Trinity Baptist Temple, this church here in Fort Worth, Texas, faithful followers of Jesus Christ living in anticipation of your return. would help that be our testimony. Lord, that we're reaching people and that we're encouraging each other and we're exhorting one another even more as we see that day approaching. And God, just help us be faithful to the scriptures. Help us be faithful to you. And help us respond rightly now in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand, I want to invite you to come.